The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. This goes back some decades where there was a young yeshiva boy. His name was Mordechai. He lived in Rockville, Maryland. And during the summer, he decided to volunteer, to volunteer at a Jewish senior home. And he would give up his two months of his summer vacation to volunteer there, whatever he was needed to help with the seniors. One of the tasks that he had was to take care of the chapel. The Jewish senior home had a chapel there, and those that wanted to come for the morning prayers could come. Those that wanted to come for the afternoon prayers could come. He would show them what page. If they had 10, he would make a minion for them. He was, that was his responsibility, being that he was a yeshiva boy, he would know how to do this. And so he would ask some of the other volunteers that were there to go out before minion time just to simply tap on everyone's door or to go in the hallways and say that those that would like to join the services, it's going to be starting in 10 minutes. There was one individual on the second floor that when this volunteer came around to say, in 10 minutes, we're going to be starting the service, started yelling at the volunteer, leave me alone with these services. Leave me alone with these prayers. I have no interest in it. Stop telling me every single day what time the services are. And he really gave this volunteer a hard time. So the volunteer went over to Mordechai and said, you know, you give me this job to go through the hallways. It's not the most fun job. I kind of got yelled at today for doing it. The Mordechai wondered to himself, why would someone yell at you if you're simply inviting them to a service? You're just saying, if you'd like to come, you can come and we're starting in 10 minutes. He asked, who was the individual that abused you? So he told them the name of the person. And after services were over, this Mordechai felt, you know what? I'm going to go and talk to this fellow and give him a piece of my mind. You don't have to yell at our volunteers. You can speak nicely. You can say you're not interested. But why the need to really let the volunteer have it for announcing what time services are? And so he finds the individual on the second floor. And he says, my name is Mordechai. I'm here for the summer. And I sent the volunteer up to simply tell everybody what time services were. And you seem to give him a hard time. Look, if you don't want to come, that's perfectly fine. But simple respect. You don't need to be harsh. So the man thought for a moment and he said, young man, I want you to wheel me to my room. He was in a wheelchair. Wheel me to my room. I want to tell you something. But I want to tell to you in the privacy of my room, not out here in public. So Mordechai did. And when they were in the room, he told him, I want you to know, I came from a very prominent Hasidic family. I came from Poland. My father was a Hasid. My grandfather was a Hasid. His father was a Hasid. We were a very known Hasidic family. When I was 12 years old, is when the Nazis invaded, we were rounded up, and we were sent to a concentration camp. I was from the lucky ones, if you can call that, that I was still with my father in the concentration camp. Most families were separated. I and my father, luckily, were in the same camp together, and we were in the same barracks together. Now, in the barracks where we were, there was one individual, one Yid, one Jew, that had a half of a pair of tefillin. He had the shell yad. He had part of the tefillin that go on the hand. He didn't have the head one. He had just the one from the hand, but it's still a mitzvah. It's still something. And so they would secretly wake up early in the morning, and they would put on that one part of the tefillin. Of course, my father would be part of it, being the chassid that he was, even though it was risking his life. Now, he was mentioned that he was 12 years old at the time. It's coming close to his bar mitzvah. So this elderly man is talking to Mordechai now in the room in this Jewish senior home in Maryland. 
He says, my father was determined that for my bar mitzvah, we need to have a whole pair. Just a half a pair is not enough. And so he had heard that in another barracks, there was a Jew that had a complete pair of tefillin, and that that Jew was no longer alive, and that the tefillin were there. So my father felt the need to risk his life on the day of my bar mitzvah, to go across to the other barracks and to try to bring those tefillin to our barracks so that I can put on tefillin on the day of my bar mitzvah. I begged my father not to do it. I said, you're risking your life. Half a tefillin is enough for me. Look, we're here in the concentration camp. I am sure God will appreciate a half of a mitzvah today. I think it's perfectly fine. But for my father, the chassid that he was, it wasn't enough. And so he huddled out before wake-up time. He went to the other barracks. I'm nervously watching him as he's returning. He's holding something in his hand. And at moment, he's so close to our barracks. I hear the shout of a Nazi halt. The gunshots go off. And that was the end. I ran out. My father was lying dying on the ground. I simply wanted to say goodbye. And the Nazi yells to me, get back in or you'll be shot as well. I kissed my father in his forehead, ran back into my barracks. And that was the last time that I saw my father alive. And so you ask me why I reacted this way? Ever since then, do you think I can pray? How can I ever make peace with a God that took my father on the day of my bar mitzvah because he wanted me to put on a pair of tefillin? That bar mitzvah day was the last day I saw my father. And so every time I get an invitation for a bar mitzvah, I never go. I never went. How can I ever attend bar mitzvahs? How can I make peace with a God and go to a synagogue? And so that's why I reacted the way I reacted. I shouldn't have been disrespectful for him. To him, it wasn't his fault. But that's the reason for the reaction. Mordechai heard this story, had no words to say other than, I'm sorry. I did not know. I'll never bother you again. I will never ask you again about being part of a minion, about coming to the synagogue. I have no words. And it bothered him. He couldn't sleep at night thinking about this horrible story, this horrified story. A man lived his entire life with this bitter memory and could never get over it, could never come to terms, never come to peace with it. What does one say? What words can one say? What speech can one give? What lecture, what sermon can one give with a story like that? How do you respond? There are no words to say. A few days go by. Mordechai is in his chapel. And one of the fellows from the senior center says, says to Mordechai, today is the yard site of my father, and I'd like to say Kaddish. They do a quick count. There's nine. You need 10 for the minion. There's only nine. So Mordechai sends his volunteer, just go through the hallways and see if you can round up a 10th. He comes back empty-handed. No one interested today. They're all doing other activities. They're not interested. And the fellow says, Mordechai, please, please, I've never missed saying a Kaddish for my father. Please, I need a tenth. What's he supposed to do? So Mordechai knows the wrath he's about to face. And he goes up to the second floor, and he knocks on the apartment door of his new friend. And the friend opens the door, the elderly man who told him the story, and he sees Mordechai there, and he says, and now what? You promised me that you would never bother me again? Why are you here? To which he said, listen, I know I promised you, and I will keep my word. If no, if you say no, no is no. 
but there's a fellow downstairs. And for him, it's important that he say Kaddish for his father. And he's in the chapel. And together we're nine. We just need a tenth. We'll keep it short. Just let him say Kaddish. Would you join us? And if you do, I promise the rest of the summer, I will never bother you again. But I just, I feel so bad for this fellow that wants to say Kaddish. Would you join me? And the fellow says, okay, just, just this one time. We have a deal. We have a deal. Before leaving the apartment, the room, he says to Mordechai, do me a favor. Go to the top dresser and go to the right side of the drawer and you'll see a pouch there. Take the pouch with us. He opens the drawer, sees an old pouch there, takes the pouch out, and he asks the elderly man what's in the pouch. And he says, those were the tefillin that my father was carrying for me to put on by my bar mitzvah. When I went to kiss him goodbye, I took that which he was holding in his hand. And although I have not made peace with God, those tefillin are the last gift that I got from my father. And if I'm going to go to the chapel now, let me take those tefillin along with me as well. And so they took the tefillin. Mordechai offered to put it on this man, which the man voluntarily said, sure, please go ahead. He made the blessings with him. He put on the, he said the Shema with him and then went to lead the services so he can do the Kaddish so that the other elderly man could say the, could say the Kaddish on honor of the yard site of his father. He came to the back of the shul to take off the tefillin. He found his friend crying, caressing the tefillin, and just crying, saying the words over and over, Tati, 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 I miss you. Tati, I miss you. And he told Mordechai, he says, I felt the presence of my father here when I put these tefillin on. All I can think about was the good times what it was like Shabbos in my house, what it was like going to Cheder, what it was like walking in the shtetl holding my father's hand. Suddenly my father was back in my life, not the way I saw him last on the ground, but the way I lived with him for 12 years before. I feel my father's presence alive with me now. Do me a favor, Mordechai. Come get me every morning. Every morning I want to daven here. And so for the next few weeks of that summer, Mordechai would make a stop, second floor, Wheel his new friend on the wheelchair down to the chapel, daven with him. Sometimes there was a minion, sometimes not. One morning, Mordechai gets off the elevator, second floor, to do his normal chores. He comes to the room, and the elderly man is not there. He opens the door. The bed is empty. So he asks someone at the nurse's station, where, where is the elderly man that lives here? And she said, oh, I guess you don't know. He had a stroke yesterday. He was rushed to the hospital. And he just passed away. Mordechai was devastated. Obviously, this wasn't family, and he just knew him for a few weeks, but there was a bond, there was a connection here. He felt something as if this was his adopted Zaidi. And at the end of the summer, the summer was over, and the senior center did a farewell party to all their summer volunteers, and they gave a special award to Mordechai for all the work that he did at the senior center over the summer. And a woman came up to him and said, I know you don't know me. But I'm that elderly man that you used to visit every day. I'm his daughter. And I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for what you've done for him. Thank you for giving him back his soul. You have no idea the burden you lifted from him in those few weeks that you were with him praying every single morning. You have no idea how he left this world. And she says, I want to share something with you. I was with him in the room when he suffered the stroke and when the ambulance came. And he would not leave the room. He kept on motioning to something. And I knew he wanted something. 
And I picked up this bag that he was pointing to. It was the tefillin. He would not leave the room without clutching the tefillin and taking it with him. And when we arrived at the hospital, he was pointing to the tefillin and to his hand. And I knew it meant that he wanted to have the tefillin on. I didn't know how to do any of this. So I just, whatever type of way, I could put the box on his hand and just strap it on in any type of way. And the other one on his head in any type of way. And literally within minutes, minutes of me putting the tefillin on his arm head, his soul left his body. And I tell you, he left this world bound to his father and immediately reunited with his father. And I have you to thank for it. Mo Russia, that word heritage, it's who we are. We can be distant for a year, for a decade, for a lifetime. But Mo Russia, the heritage is always there. It will always come back to us at some point or another. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.